0: This podcast on 97.3 The Fan is brought to you by Hamul Casino. San Diego's closest casino. Real close, real friendly, real fun.
2: You asked Suarez for four outs. Yeah. The hater could have been that guy against the lefty there. Is that just him going three outs? It's, it's what
3: we're doing right now.
2: Yeah.
1: And why is that?
3: It's because the way we've handled it here.
1: Is there any discussion with him? Is there any thought? We, we talked to him some, Yeah.
2: That would seem to kind of run counter to the... I mean, you you were saving him earlier in the season for later in the year, and here we are now, and it's obviously yeah. getting very late. Which is
4: the way it happened tonight. Well, 2
5: uh-huh. one on the clock. <laughs> Good Gwin response Junior. to that, Tony.
4: <laughs> Tony Gwynn Jr., Chris Ello, Matt Scraby, Gwynn and Chris, Padres lose. A tough one. Once again, 2-1 and one nothing to lean another... Just magnificent performance by Blake Snell. He uh, gave up more than three and a half hits, which was uh, disappointing for He got bombed. He
5: got bombed. (laughs) He gave up four hits. What's the matter (laughs) with this guy?
4: But he once again threw up donuts across the board. Uh, However, the sound you just heard was manager Bob Melvin answering questions from A.J. Casavell. Ding. He'll be on the show in the 2 o'clock hour and Kevin Acey, um, I don't know, uh, Chris, I I sensed a little uh, frustration. I sensed um, a little irritation. Um, I I sensed that uh, he was all out of answers when it came to those specific questions.
5: Sounded like Bob Melvin and Josh Hader have been over this, and Josh Hader has made it clear to Bob Melvin that he doesn't want to pitch more than three outs, and that was something that seemed to be confirmed later on. In the evening by A.J. Casavell, and we will, uh, as you said, go right to the horse's mouth and have him on in a little while. But, um, yeah, Bob Melvin doesn't want to ever throw one of his players under the bus. I think that's one of the things that makes him great. He's always going to stick up for his players, but he was backed into a corner, basically, by those questions. And, you know, about the only thing left for Bob Melvin to say that he didn't say was, all right, fine, he doesn't want to pitch more than three outs, you know. But he didn't want to do that to his own player. Um, I I know that Josh Hader, at least on Twitter, the storm of responses to his quote that I saw today, Tony, certainly opened up a, uh, you know, a firestorm of criticism over the fact that, you know, there was already people that were upset with Josh Hader, that he didn't want to seemingly pitch three games in a row, and then he wanted two days off, and then this, that, and the other. And now, you know, he's made it clear that he doesn't want more than three outs in any one game. And then he responded to A.J. Cassaville, apparently by saying, you guys want everything. And, uh, you know, I I, I honestly, I thought the best comment was by, uh, I, I think it was Tom Friend, uh, our old friend from the uh, Washington Post who used to uh, write here in San Diego yeah, and yeah. cover the Padres. And Tom Friend said if if Goose Gossage would have heard the relief pitcher say that back in his day, he would have gone over and slugged him in the mouth. And, you know, that just shows there's a difference between, you know, old school and today. But, I don't know, we'd all like to believe that these these players care more about the success of the team than their own you know situations and and so I, I can understand that people are upset by the kind of responses that Josh Hader gave yesterday
4: yeah i i uh i love tom and i don't know you know why that's relevant in terms of what goose Gossage would have done <laughs> it, it really it really has no bearing on the subject matter um but he's right i mean that's uh, it was a different era baseball was played differently it's not played that way anymore um, how, however, uh, I certainly understand people's frustration. It's been, uh, we've been asked this question a lot on our show, you know. And I don't know that the the portion of not wanting to pitch on three days has been confirmed, or three days in consecutive has been confirmed, right? Because he's done it. I think it's three times this year, yeah. Where he's he's pitched on three consecutive days. That's never been confirmed. But what seemingly was confirmed was the three outs in an inning. At least that's how I read the article uh AJ Casaville wrote up uh based on the questions that were asked. And so um you know, just a little background on this story. Scrapey and I were talking about this before we came on today and the Milwaukee it Cent- was it Milwaukee uh, Centennial? is that? Milwaukee that were- Sentinel, Jur- Sentinel Journal. Sentinel. Yeah.
3: When I was researching about this a few months ago Which is ago.
4: the which is the local which is our version of the Union Tribune here in San Diego in Milwaukee. Uh go ahead. It's great.
3: No, I was just uh, trying to research when we were talking about the three days in a row and all that stuff. And so this was written a while back, and, and it was all it wasn't like confirmed or anything like that. But it seemed like back when he was with the Brewers, Josh Hader, there were certain there were certain rules, not rules, but certain guidelines that he would pitch by. And so, so just to give a background on this
4: portion, uh, it has been reported uh, that. It, much in the same way that, that uh, Burns, uh, for Milwaukee, Got Burns, it, yeah. was upset with the arbitration process, this also was the case for, for Hayter. And he had, when he first came up, uh, he, he was pitching, when he was the closer initially, he was pitching in really all different type of spots. Um, and I think he felt burned by the process. And it seemed like there was a decision made that, these stipulations were going to be put in place for Milwaukee after that process took place. Go ahead. Go ahead. scrape.
3: No, you, you pretty much said everything. And, and so when he came over here, there were a few Padres fans that did send me this article and they were yeah, like, hey, I remember. hey, can you look into this? And I said, well, you know, it's just kind of, it was something that was written a while back. And then I kind of forgot about it, but apparently this is really, it's a thing. And so I can understand why why fans are a little upset. The, the, the thing that gets me is that there was in, there was there's still a chance for the Padres to make the playoffs it, it, as thin as it is, and as unlikely as it is, there's still a chance. but if, if the players on I- the team don't want the playoffs as much as the fans, what am I cheering for?
4: I mean, I don't know that that's a fair assessment. That's a, This is one player. There's 26 guys in that locker room.
3: Okay, for that uh, one player. I, 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 I
4: will say this. You can say whatever you want about Manny Machado. This dude's playing with an elbow that he is definitely having surgery on at the end of the season. Um, and so I, this one, I, I don't know, man. Uh, what's 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 become apparent in the past week and a half to me, is that if you don't have everybody on the same page pulling in the same direction, it's going to be hard to win games. And that's just talking about everything that we've learned in the past week and a half, right? Whether it was you know, the, the Kevin Acy story, whether it was Dennis Lynn's story, whether it's this, uh, it, it all is, is uh, to me at least, um, points to the fact that Everybody needs to be moving in the same direction and, and, and be looking at it the same way.
5: It seems to me that the fans are upset with the season, and rightly so. But the players are upset with the season, too. And I don't think that that message is getting through to everybody here in in, in San Diego. And there does seem to be a sense that we are all more upset than they are, and I don't think that's accurate. And as a result of that feeling, Tony, I feel like, I, I feel like everybody's got to find somebody to pin this on. Uh, there's yeah, a public yeah, enemy yeah, number yeah. one, and it's a different public enemy from week to week. You know, I mean, it, it was Xander Bogarts for such a long time. It was Manny Machado a couple of weeks ago when that article came out. Then it was Bob Melvin and AJ Preller when that article came out. Now it's going to be Josh Hader when this article comes out you know we've got to pin this on somebody and and for some reason i think that's just how our society feels better about things and and yeah. this all goes with a with I mean, a bad th- season unfortunately i was i was
4: about to say it does come with the territory though right like yeah. we t- we talked about this at the beginning of the 2022 season about how expectations are now different and then after they got to the LCS, we said the same thing like Okay, now they've gotten to an NLCS. The the next step from there was what? It was a World Series, and and so what comes with that when you don't reach that and when you miss it by a, I would say a pretty wide margin, right? It, it wasn't. It'd be you know it's one thing to not win your division, it's one thing to not be one of the first wild cards, but you missed out on every wild card spot, and they aren't completely eliminated if. For some reason the Cubs, the I think it's the Marlins. Yeah. And and the Padres end up tie. The Padres would have the tiebreaker.
5: That's what they need.
4: That is that is the last hope for the Padres to get into the playoffs. If that anything else happens other than that, yeah. it will not happen. And that basically means both the Marlins. And the um, Cubs have to lose out. Padres yeah. have to win. It. Well,
5: the Cubs have to go zero and six. The Marlins have to go exactly one and five, and then the Padres have to win out.
3: I should also say too, because I, I feel like Josh Hader's not getting his side looked at at all, and as a player early in his career it was it, you know things that i've read earlier in his career the brewers used him all over the place they used him as a closer they used him as a setup guy they used him as a hold guy they used him everywhere and so when he went to arbitration with the brewers he didn't it, the, the brewers told him basically well you're not a full-time closer so we can't pay you like a full-time closer and so he felt a little burned by that from what i gather And I don't blame him for feeling burned by that, because if the team is going to come to you and say, hey, we need you in all these different roles, can you do it for us? And he says yes, and then they tell him, well, we can't pay you that much money because we're not going to have you as a closer full-time, or you weren't a closer full-time. I can understand why Josh Hader would want to go forward with some guidelines. However... Well, no, I'm just going to leave. When it When it's your at that. team, you're like, I don't no, necessarily no, want to go no, by those guys. No, no, no. I started this by saying I want to give Josh Hader's perspective, and so I'm going to stop right there. Yeah, I don't know why you're all of a sudden giving
5: Josh Hader's perspective because I feel like you
3: were the guy on Twitter that was so critical of him today, and now you're Ooh.
5: you started a firestorm a storm on Twitter by saying by writing. Ah, uh, these comments don't make me happy. No, I said <laughs> that's pretty much what you said.
3: I'm paraphrasing, but you were you were, you, quick, said, right? you were quick to
5: jump in on that. I this said,
3: one. not a fan of this response there from you go. Hater. Yeah. yeah. I don't think so. that's a, a I don't think that's a condemnation on Josh Hader, but at the same time, if if the radio station told me, Hey, we need you, you to work mornings, afternoons, middays, weekends, and I said, All right, I'm doing it, and then it comes time for raise, and they're like well, actually, you know, you don't really have a full-time spot, and so we can't really pay you because we don't know where we're going to That would anger me. But I'm also a team player, and I've done a lot of things I don't want to do, and I'm not saying that Josh Hader is not a team player, but these comments came off to me like it was more about him than it was the team. Uh,
4: and, and my guess is that is how a lot of people read it um, when they saw it. Yeah, don't and, read my you know,
3: comments. <laughs> that's
4: but uh no no, but that that is that is it is important i think to to bring that that side of it up um whether people uh want to hear it or agree with it I think that's a, a completely different story uh we'll we'll get into it a little bit more as the show goes along, certainly uh with both him and Blake Snell becoming free agents is the door completely closed on bringing those guys back um We'll, we'll, we'll really get into it all. We'll have Marcus McNeil in the 3 o'clock hour to break down some of the storylines in the NFL. Our daily gambit, our Chris versus the fan, the big five, all of it ahead. More Gwen and Chris when we return.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
5: You picked me uh, an excellent day to be here on Gwyn and Chris. Chris, hello. Tony Wynn Jr. in San Francisco, where the Padres will take on the Giants tonight. Matt Scraby alongside here at the Odyssey Palace. Uh, 2.20 is the time. Coming up, A.J. Casavell from uh, MLB.com. We'll get the latest on uh, A.J.'s uh, discussion with Josh Hader last night, get some of his thoughts on the comments of the Padres relief pitcher, which we discussed in the first segment of this program. Uh, Also, Marcus McNeil will join us in the 3 o'clock hour today. We will talk about the first three weeks of the National Football League, which uh, finished up last night with a couple of ball games, Scraby was not happy about this. He doesn't like the fact that they play two Monday night games all of a sudden now. It's ridiculous, and uh, I know
3: the two Monday night games is ridiculous. No, Why you're, is this bar?
5: you? Because oh, it's
3: bothering you. Monday Night Football is supposed to be, like, a special thing. It's not supposed to be a, just another day of NFL games. Because mm-hmm. I don't not. need the two. I don't need it's the not. score. It's just two games. I don't need games. the score on the top left like it's March Madness. I don't need to. I, I want, uh, what's his name, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on every game, I had to listen to they Dan Orlovsky. Every game, no, I had to listen to Dan Orlovsky last you night. You did not have to listen to Dan Orlovsky. Nobody you, you made did not you have watch to. that game. No, I wanted
5: to watch the game. You but know what? Monday. If you, if you night can only if you can only, handle, if you can only handle if you can only handle one game, then only watch, watch one Buck. game. I did. Watch I Joe, didn't b- watch Joe Buck. Watch, watch Joe Buck. and pretend there's that. only one game. That I didn't wanna... I was about to swear
4: again. Okay, listen. Listen, if it was a Monday night game that you didn't want to watch, and it was just one, I'm still you were watching sti- it. Okay, so I'm sorry you didn't want to watch the actual game that Joe Buck was doing the broadcasting for. Why would I want to
3: watch that terrible game that was because Joe the Buck and, and Troy
4: Aikman are on it? That's what you just finished complaining about.
5: But how did you know that the Eagles-Bucks game was going to be a terrible game? What if the uh... What if the Bengals-Rams was a lousy game, well, and the Eagles-Buccaneers <laughs> was a good game, and you, you had a choice? I just You don't, chose. I just don't freedom think...
3: Freedom of choice. I just don't think we need two games. I don't know
5: why you were so upset. The Eagles-Buccaneers game was a score-agami. Oh, it was a score-agami. Do you know what that is, Tony? Are score-agami? Are you a score-agami fan?
4: Refresh my memory. Again. It,
5: it refers to the fact that the final score of the Eagles-Buccaneers game was the first in the history of the National Football League that finished with that exact final score? What, what Was it eleven? Twenty-five to eleven? 25 was the final 11. score? There was actually two scoregami games this weekend in the NFL. The other one's so twenty-five, obvious. eleven has never happened. What
4: was
3: the other one?
5: Seventy to twenty. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, never, yeah. Happened no, that's yeah. never happened. No, <laughs> that's clearly never I, uh, happened. That's clearly never happened. I love
3: a good scoregami though.
5: Yeah, it's good scoregami. Well, you could have watched
3: it. Had you? you I know, don't care not been about so watching upset it. About it. Uh, I want to go back real quick to the Padres before I get any more trouble for this double Monday Night Football game. But I I see a lot um, of—I've been seeing a lot of Bob Melvin hate recently, and it's because Bob Melvin recently all year long. But this in this case, (laughs) it's because Bob Melvin didn't put down his foot to Josh Hader and said, "You will pitch four outs." Oh
4: yeah, what, what does that look like?
3: Okay, you want me to do it? Yeah, hey let's, Josh, let me hear, uh, let me hear, you're going to go hear out there. You're going to go out there and you're going to get
4: four outs for us. Uh, but skip, we've discussed this. Like, you know, we're not. I'm not. Uh, I don't feel comfortable going out there.
3: Josh, you're going to go out there and get
4: four outs. Like you, you, you're just. You're, you're going to make me go out.
3: Josh, oh, you're okay. going to go out there and get four outs.
5: You would last uh, about a week in the major <laughs> leagues know. these days. So, so
4: this brings that this brings up uh, an interesting point. Uh, does anybody remember the young kid? And Chris might have been gone for this. When Kirby, the pitcher from the Marlins. Oh, from George the Mariners, Kirby. George Kirby was Chris
3: gone for that? I don't remember. He, he
4: must have because he's not speaking. Yeah, on, yeah, so yeah I don't
3: that, recall it. Okay, okay. So, oh, okay.
4: So, so George Kirby uh, had a he had a good game going he's uh, in i think he went back out for the 7th i think it was he was up uh he ends up you know giving up the lead and in his post game interview afterwards he basically said i shouldn't have been out there they shouldn't have they shouldn't have allowed, allowed me to go back out there i i kind of knew this was going to happen and they asked him if he was going to have a conversation with the manager about it and he said yeah we're going to discuss it Wow! The the, the <laughs> exactly, the following day, before I think before the game, he met with the media again. He apologized, you know, for because he you know he he, he was coaching the bu- manager under the bus basically, and also said he didn't really want the ball. So now I, I I I turn it back to the whole put your foot down, make him go out. If he does not want the ball, do you want him to go back out there?
5: No, no. But I want to ask you this, Tony, because you played in the big leagues. And when did it change? When was was there a line of demarcation, or does it happen slowly? When did it change, where the manager's word wasn't necessarily final, as opposed to what you're going to do as a player? When was when the salaries got cattywampus in favor of the players, or do you know?
4: I mean, let's be real. Salaries have—I mean, they just have gotten more proportionally cattywampus, but they've been cattywampus for for quite some time, yeah. right? Yeah, that's going true. back to the Barry Bondses of the times, right? But there was still a time where the manager's word ultimately was to say. I, I think you've seen a, a move away from that in, uh, and really when the organizations decided that they were going to empower their players uh, more. Than their managers, and how do they do that? When you know uh, a manager makes one statement, and baseball ops or said GM wants to go a different route, and it's in the players' d- direction, how do you think that that materializes over time? Yeah, is is that it? It just really starts to cut the legs out from under you. Now, I don't know that, that that's not the case in in this situation, but there's certainly was an understanding, it seems, uh, as Bo Mel said. That probably didn't just start with Bo Mel. That's you, you have to assume a team knows this before they make a move, right, to bring somebody in. Yeah. Um, and, and so the hope is that you're not in a situation where it's going to actually matter. But that clearly was not the case. But, you again, know,
5: it, I'm going to throw Goose Gossage's name in here again because we used him earlier, even though it doesn't necessarily have everything to do with Josh Hader anymore. But I would imagine if we had the goose on, and he were speaking on this subject, he would say something to the effect of, if Billy Martin, when I was with the Yankees, or Dick Williams, when I was with the Padres, if either of those guys told me to go warm up in the first inning, I just went and warmed up in the first inning. There was no pushback. I couldn't say, well, hey, I'm the closer. What are you talking about, warm up in the first inning? But in this day and age, guys have you know certain roles, certain things that they're used to, and there is pushback, and it's not just from Josh Hader. It's it's all around. It's all through sports, for heaven's sakes. I mean, look at the NBA. Guys dictate where they want to play, et cetera, and on and on it goes. But somewhere along the line, the managers no longer had the, the the full power that they used to.
4: Again, uh, no manager is gonna is just gonna go make somebody go in a game. Him not uh, said player not wanting to go into the game yeah. in itself. Would be a red flag of not putting him in the game. So you know, I, 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 when did it happen? I don't know, and you know, I don't know that everybody would 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 handle is is handling the situation like that. There may not necessarily need to be a autopsy on when it happened. We just know it's happening here right now. Um, that may not. That, do we know of any other cases like that? I, I certainly don't. So. Um, you know, it, it it is what it is. I think Padres knew what they were getting to when it happened. It didn't really come back to bite them at any point last year. Uh, it seems like on a couple occasions this year it, it has.
5: Well, one thing I will say, the Padres got a stay of execution last night because when the game started last night, I was under the impression that had they lost – it was over. Well, I, was to it. You know? <laughs> I was okay, too. So I was too. Totally under- I was totally under. I totally thought I if two. they lose the game, it's over. So the the last out of the game happens. I forget who it was. I think Profar grounded out to second base. I, I they honestly, threw him out at first. I thought that's it. Oh no! Well, the by, by the time the game.
4: By the time the game started, I knew that there was a, a there was still another, a little hope. Okay. There was still a little hope because yeah. uh, we got a little sheet of paper with all the crazy with scenarios, all the scenarios on it. all the scenarios, okay. And, See, I didn't you know, get
5: that piece of paper. They did not send yeah, that to me. home. I wouldn't have known without that paper though, so. Yeah, they did not send that to me at home. So I thought the season was over come to find out later that, you know, this crazy tiebreaker scenario still exists. So hopefully they can keep it alive. We should at least mention real quick that Blake Snell was You know, even though he was dominated and gave up four hits and, you know, the Giants tattooed him compared to what Blake... No runs again. He's got to have cemented the Cy Young Award. He's got a 1.20 ERA over 23 starts, which has never happened before in Major League Baseball except for Bob Gibson in 1968, which might be the single greatest season any pitcher's ever had. So that's the kind of territory Blake Snell has put himself in. And uh, you know, congratulations to Blake Snell. He's one of the great guys. Yeah, that the great news is that he's going to win the Cy Young Award. The bad news is, is he's probably going to take that Cy Young Award with him somewhere else because I, right. I don't know that the Potters are going to be able to keep him.
4: You know, there was kind. Of, well, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm You're not closing I'm whole, the door, huh? I wouldn't. I, okay. I certainly wouldn't. By the way, there was some discussion that he may, you know, after the start, was there a need to have his last start? Uh, I get here early to record for our show. And I look up, and this dude is on the the very last deck of Oracle Park, running steps and in, and in, in carrying on. So that doesn't look like somebody who's shutting it down. He I love it seems that. like he seems like he's going to get that last start. He wants to pump them numbers up even more. Which yeah. is, at this point, at this point, you 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 have to think it's it's going to be a foregone conclusion. Poor White Sox may not know what's coming.
5: <laughs> yeah, he'll make it the last start of the season. Blake Snell, incredible season. If that was it for him. Uh, it was uh, a great ride while it lasted here in San Diego this year, for sure. Uh, Padres and Giants tonight. Cubs will play the Braves before. Uh, that game starts at 420. Uh, Justin Steele, the other Cy Young in Canada, is pitching for the Cubs. If the Cubs win that game, then it is kaput. So, Wait, so it could happen pot- during the show? It could. Oh. No, I don't think so. Because they start at 420, yeah, true, we'll be done.
4: And, and who can win one? The Marlins? The Cubs. If the, oh, Cubs, the Cubs,
5: if the Cubs win in Atlanta, uh, then that will will close. No, it I'm out saying for sure. the
4: tiebreaker. Though you said earlier. Oh yeah, that... the
5: Cubs have to lose every game. The Marlins can win one. Okay, and the right. and the Padres have to win every game. So, the only way the Padres can be eliminated before their game is over tonight is if the Cubs win. But if the Cubs lose, then the Padres will still be ticking as they take on the Giants tonight. Uh, We'll have the pregame show following our show at 545. When we come back on Gwen and Chris, A.J. Casavell joins us from MLB.com. The Josh Hader controversy is the latest dysfunction surrounding the Padres situation. We'll kick it around next on Gwen and Chris.
1: (laughs)
4: Two thirty-eight on the clock. Tony Gwynn Jr., Chrisello, Matt Scrivy, AJ Castleville joins us shortly. Lot, lot, lot popping off today. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, the Jets are in disarray, and uh, I think um, it sounds like there's starting to be some finger pointing. Aaron Rodgers basically called his team out, teammates out, said they need to grow up, stop pointing fingers at one another. Uh, and I think he may be right. I think ultimately uh, Zach Wilson is what you got. Or now they have Trevor Simeon, too, yes, at this point. Yes, should change everything. For the <laughs> <kids>. <laughs> Uh, but certainly pointing the fingers is, is at this early stage. It's week three, ladies and gentlemen. A Little early. It, it, it's not gonna. It's not gonna be helpful at all, no matter what the situation you know what is. The,
5: you know what the Jets need to remember, Tony. At least as far as I can tell, Aaron Rodgers was injured on the fourth play of the season. Not just you know in that, right. It was the fourth play. They still went on and won that game that night yeah. over the Buffalo Bills, one of the best yeah. teams in football. Uh, you know, went into overtime. They got a punt return. They won the game, etc. But. The Jets are good enough, even without Aaron Rodgers, you know, to win. They beat Buffalo. So yeah. they, they gotta keep that in mind. And, you know, great teams step up around injured players and injured situations and everybody plays a little bit better to pick up the slack. Yeah. The offensive lineman gotta give Zach Wilson a you know a little more time to throw. Receivers need to get a little more open, whatever the case is, but gotta try to help this young guy. As best they can until they do something else. Now, there's some people that are talking about maybe the Vikings ought to look at trading Kirk Cousins to the Jets. We can kick that around a little later. Yeah, we definitely will. That's
3: crazy. (laughs)
4: Padres-Giants 640 matchup today. Uh, Those two teams will play game two. All right, let's get to our premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. A.J. Casavell on the other end. And, A.J., you... uh, your your name is being uh, is out there a little bit today. Firestorm starter. I I might have I might have missed something. What 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 happened?
2: Well, I don't know if it's if it's me. I just reported what was said by <laughs> Bob Melvin and Josh Hader. So, I don't uh, know if it's
5: me. <laughs> I, I think
2: it's I, I I just think it's fair question to ask of a guy that hasn't gotten four outs all season and since 2020, and he he values his health clearly. He Values his health ahead of free agency, but Um, the Padres have, have lost a few games this season where they could have used him in a spot like last night. And last night, I think, was among the most glaring because it was just so obvious that Josh Hader is the guy with a tiring Robert Suarez against a left-handed hitter without any righties left on the bench. Um, I I just felt like last night was, now granted, we are where we are in the season and Josh Hader wasn't entirely wrong when he kind of, when he, he kind of assessed the Padres' playoff chances somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but it was – last night was a situation that called for Josh Hader, and he wasn't on the mound.
5: AJ, AJ, when Josh Hader said to you uh, something to the effect of, you guys want me to do everything, were were you a little – surprised by that comment taken aback by that comment was was he angry was he was he just trying was he referencing any I mean, wh- what was the context of that I'm just kind of curious uh, how that discussion went because that seemed like it would have been a little uncomfortable for everybody
2: yeah I don't think he was angry I don't I haven't seen Josh Hader angry really at all during his tenure I just think that so often this season we've kind of framed our questions to him with a with a, hey, like, when are you going to go three in a row? Could you go three in a row? Could you go four out? Um, and it, it had kind of started to wear on him a little bit, uh, the fact that we kept asking those questions, which I think were perfectly fair questions. And so that was the context of what was of his reaction there. I think it was more um, the, the the grading nature of, of of us asking repetitively questions that I think needed to be asked.
4: A.J. Castleville joins us here, MLB.com. And, A.J., I guess my question is, you know, having, you know, read the article and knowing the the comments that Bo Mills had gave to you in terms of it's been a discussion, you guys have talked about it, was this something the team was aware of prior to acquiring Josh Hader? Is that something that you know?
2: Yes, the team was very aware of this, and I think that was – that, that's one thing that can't be lost in this. The like acquired Josh Hader understanding they were getting a guy who was reluctant to pitch three days in a row, reluctant to go more than three outs and, and very reluctant to go more than four. And they knew that and saw Josh Hader as a dominant enough back-end bullpen arm to be worth that, to be, to be worth those downsides. And I think that Uh, in some ways, he has proven that because he has been utterly dominant. He's been as dominant as the Padres have needed him to be when he's on the mound. Uh, and, and then you kind of get into the questions of, well, I mean, if his, if his, I don't know. he, He makes, he makes a useful point that I think we should listen to that, that when pitchers get overworked and overused in the bullpen, as he was early in his career, that's when injuries happen. That's when guys get hurt. There's also probably a line that needs to be that needs to be walked between that and occasionally when the rest of the bullpen might be a little overburdened, him going out there and and going that, that fourth out. And so that, that's, that's just why I think that, that it was, it was worth kind of asking that in that context yesterday, because the Padres did know the Padres were very aware what, what Josh Hader's restrictions were. They thought that, that it was a worthwhile investment. He was awesome last year in the postseason, and and even if it was in shorter stints, he was that dominant. And so, um, to some extent, you need to build a deeper bullpen if you have a guy who's only going to be available for three outs at the back end.
5: AJ, when this thing started to go south a little bit, I mean, I'm going back to July, early August, etc. Tony and I surmised that if it kept going this way and ultimately the Padres kind of felt short of where everybody thought they should be, that a lot of this negativity, the use of the word dysfunctional, uh, would start to come up and creep up around this franchise and this ball club. How much do you agree with what Joe Musgrove said when he basically said, hey, last year is the same thing, same situation, same, same, same circumstances, except for the fact that the team made a run to the finals of the NL, as opposed to this year where we haven't been able to get where we want to go. Um, how much do you agree with what he said, or how much do you think that maybe dysfunction, for lack of a better word, I don't know that that's a fair word, but how much do you think that has had to contributed to the fact that the Padres have not been able to get where they wanted to go?
2: Well, so I, I think going to what, what Musgrove said and kind of what a lot of people have echoed this year, the fact that the Padres aren't all that different from the team that went to the NLCS last year. It's just, they just haven't performed in the bigger moments. There's some truth to that. I also think there's some truth to understanding what last year was. The Padres for five and a half months last year kind of didn't live up to those expectations. And then they got hot in September and, and were great in October. And, and there, that massive some of the flaws that they had last season where they kind of treaded water for a lot of the year and were in the, in jeopardy of missing the playoffs until they got hot in late September. So it's not as – I don't think it's as rosy looking back on 2022 if you view the whole season in context and then what's come after it. But I also think there's a lot of truth to the fact that it's it, – it, winning cures a lot. Winning cures yes, what when, when things go wrong in a clubhouse, when things go wrong in uh, – With with an organization, and you're winning, you can work out those you can work out whatever whatever issues are had a lot easier because guys are just happier when when you're losing. As the Padres have lost a lot this year, it becomes a lot more difficult. And I I just think that that the, the problems that exist within the Padres now are maybe not all that different to what they were a year ago. And I also don't think. Maybe the, the vitriol and the anger from the fan base and some of the some of the outside criticism would be there had the Padres gone, say, I don't know, eight and four in extra innings and, and if they were clinging to that to that fourth or fifth wild card or that fourth or fifth playoff spot, because that's essentially what last year was.
4: I think it's pretty clear and I said this earlier, after what you know, this situation, the the Dennis Lynn report, the Kevin Acey report that something's amiss, and you know how 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 much I don't know, uh, but certainly winning does uh, mask a whole lot, and things people are willing to move past when when you're winning. When you're when you're not winning, it's a little bit different story. AJ Casavell joins us here on the Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad Fan Hotline. AJ, uh, let's move to some positivity. Blake Snell, another terrific performance last night. Unfortunately, he doesn't get the doesn't factor in the win, but uh, six innings of work. Uh, uh just a, a, another dominant before He gave up four hits he gave up a few more hits than he's normally given up but at this point i mean is is it his to lose at this point cuz he's starting to he start especially the way his era is is just continuing to lose fat uh he's starting to put up a historic type year in terms of era
2: yeah you look back at the last 4 months and and he's like been bob gibson 1968 level good i'd yeah there haven't been many times I've compared Padres pitchers to some of the best pitching seasons in baseball <laughs> history, but that's that's the kind of run that Blake Snell is on. Uh, I, it, it's funny you you talk about last night; he gave up four hits, and you know what? Like watching that game, it's it's probably in the bottom half of his starts for the last four months, and it's six yeah, shutout yeah. innings against the against the, <laughs> against a team that's been in playoff contention. So, I think it's I think it's his award. I mean, there's there's something to be said about guys who throw those innings and and guys who don't. Walk guys, to me, I think the walks are a little overblown because Blake Snell never allows hits and never yeah. allows extra base hits. So right. if 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 you're not going to do that, then the walks really, I mean, what are we talking about here? But I mean, it, to, to some extent, they limit his, his overall innings and his workload. And I think if his ERA was up around 260, 270, then maybe this would be a conversation, but he's been so utterly dominant that if you're going to tell me this, I have a pitcher that's going to go out and almost every single night give you six innings of zero runs or one run baseball. That guy's more valuable than a guy who goes seven and gives up two or three. And and that's just what Blake Snell's done this season. I think he's the clear favorite. I, I think there's also, I, I don't know if he, I don't know if he has another start this season. Uh, obviously he will if the Padres are in contention, but, um, Both he and Bob Melvin said they really hadn't thought about that yet, which the fact that they weren't instantly saying, yes, he'll make that final of the regular season tells me something there. Uh, But I I just think that that when we're kind of sizing up him versus the competition, there are cases to be made for, like, arguments to be made for the things that I think voters want to look at that maybe not Blake Snell, but he has just been too dominant that you can't make those cases seriously anymore.
5: AJ, let me ask you about the uh, the stars on this Padre ball club this year. I mean, Xander Bogarts has endured his share of criticism. Fernando started the season on the suspension list. Juan Soto... Felt like he wasn't really contributing the first half of the season or putting up a kind of – but you look at everybody's numbers now as we get to the end of the season, and they're all very impressive. I mean, Fernando's gone 25 home runs, 29 steals. Bogarts is up to 283. He's got a better OPS than Hassan Kim, a guy that everybody's been in love with all year. Uh, Juan Soto's got 33 homers now and a 919. I mean, Manny got his 30 home runs. It's just remarkable – that these guys end up doing all this. Blake Snell's got a Cy Young. Fernando's probably going to get a gold glove. And yet it still didn't work this year. So is it accurate to say that what the Padres really need to do more than any of the other stuff that we're talking about is clean up the support staff around these star players for next year?
2: Yes. I think that's that's the number one priority because they have the core in place where you get numbers like that from those guys. You should be winning more games than you do you shouldn't be going into games with some of the pinch hitting options that they had late in games. And how many times did they lose games late? Because I mean, you can even see it guys getting pitched around so that they could face the the very depths of the Padres bench, which were mostly four, a players. I think that's, that's something that needs to be cleaned up going forward. I mean, the other, the other thing is that if you, it's been remarkable. These guys have put up these numbers and some of the spots there, those big hits that they've gotten just haven't come. And, and I know it's, it's, no one wants to talk about bad luck I think there has to be some of that involved there also just has to be some sort of just just the weight of the expectations and the Padres have been pretty reticent to talk about what that did to them this season but Fernando Tatis Jr. kind of was the first player to do so last week he said it, it weighed on them until they got to September and realized you know what let's just go out and play baseball like like we're kids and the way of the expectations in this game when there's so many people that, that they're expecting so much from you. I, I can understand. I can see how that would get to you. So I, I, the core offensively is in place. There are definitely some question marks on the pitching side of things, but the core offensively is in place, and I don't think it should be that hard to fill out the roster understanding what was lacking this season to make next season better.
4: Yeah, I think that's an excellent take. Last one before I let you get out of here. Blake Snell, like we said, is likely headed for a second uh, Cy Young Award. Is there any chance he can return as a Padre? In your I opinion, think
2: it's, it, it's probably unlikely, but he clearly loves pitching as a Padre, pitching in San Diego. He loves the fans. I just think that what he's done this season is going to make him a lot of money on the free agent yeah. market. He's a two-time Cy Young Award winner coming off one of the most dominant four-month stretches really we've ever seen in baseball history uh the Padres have holes on their roster that they need to address obviously adding Blake Snell would go a long way toward addressing one of those holes but if you spread out those resources maybe a little more shrewdly to address multiple spots I I just if 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 I'm guessing what's going to happen I see that as more likely than than a major splurge on a guy like Blake Snell however great he's been and however much he loves pitching in san diego i don't know that he's going to take a, a discount to do so so i just i think it's probably unlikely but I, I also wouldn't rule it out knowing how much he loves pitching here and knowing how much i think padre brass respects him
4: aj as always man appreciate you coming on uh i'll catch up with you a little bit later thanks for coming on brother
2: yeah I'll see you at the park thanks, thanks guys. aj that
4: was aj cassaville on the premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Fan hotline: Save money the right way. Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall Chevrolet. Find new roads. Uh, yeah, I think um, AJ said a lot of of of, of good stuff there.
5: Um, yeah, solid, know, I, solid. He's you know he's part of that uh, that hardcore mean. <laughs> you know, uh disturbing uh San Diego media that's always trying to stir things up and uh, create controversy around here. It's funny to me how in a lot of people's minds, and I'm I am I'm, i I'm kinda using Twitter as my judge on this, so I shouldn't oh, Lord, I shouldn't yeah. overrate it, but it's funny to me how many people have commented in what I've read in the last week or so that this is all a media's problem. This is yeah, all the mirage. media's fault. Yeah. The yeah. media has you know, created this firestorm and as we said yesterday, all the media has done, and I think all of the guys who cover this team have done a you know, pretty darn solid job of it, is try to answer the questions that all of you fans have had I, all year as to I, say what happened this year, why did it I, go wrong?
4: I was just getting ready to say that's the irony in it. Yeah. Is that they are stirring up stuff that fans, at least on Twitter, have been asking about all year long. Yeah. Like literally. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's we have that. a pretty
5: good crew here, I think. So
4: Yeah. Uh, three o'clock hour on the way. Daily Gambit to come. Morgan Gwyneth.
0: Picks. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.